Hello, welcome to episode 159 of Three Bears in a Movie. I'm Richard Laird and I'm with... Barry and Neil. Barry, we're once again doing this via Zoom because the world is still in lockdown, well, semi-lockdown. Yes. At this point, I feel we should just be sponsored by Zoom, you know. I'll take sponsorship from anyone. I don't even care who it is, to be honest. I'll take sponsorship <laughs> from the Trump campaign right now just to get some money. I don't really care how we get sponsored, Barry. Well, maybe not the Trump campaign, but we'll... Fuck Trump. We do have some lines, but not many lines. Not many lines. Um, yes. Yeah, we are doing it from Zoom again. So are you drinking anything this afternoon? Um, there's an afternoon recording. Uh, no, I find myself stranded by the phone again for work. So it's, uh, well, I just finished a can of Monster there because after we do this, I need to crack on and sort the house since it's a riot. Well, I'm much the same as yourself. I'm not doing energy drink, but I'm, doing, I'm just doing water as well. It's, a, it's an afternoon. I'm, I'm trying to be some way healthy just now. Um, yes. Very quickly, how's lockdown life treating you? Are you, are you surviving okay? Yeah, yeah. All right. Uh, you know, the mood is high. We've all just been paid. Uh, so, you know, we're only a few days into the new pay month. So, you know, spirits are still high. Still high. <laughs> still money in the healthy. bank. Yeah, everything feels good. <laughs> but give it a yeah. week and a half and it'll be like, oh, shit, all diet debits are away. The bank account now looks a lot weaker. <laughs> Things are now a lot more stressful. <laughs> yep, pretty much. If this is a movie podcast, now the cinemas in England have reopened and they are starting to show movies mm-hmm. as of this weekend. So, so it's sort of like new movies, not just older stuff. Um, yeah, up yeah. here it's very sporadic like I've read Odin's have reopened has okay. the Clyde Bank one that you go to reopened as far as you're aware? Uh, one second let me just quickly yeah. find this out so I know uh, the City Walls are still shut up here which is the one I usually frequent um, so they're all still shut up um, it does seem very sort of it's not clear what's happening a lot of, a lot of places but there's definitely new films mm. coming out so hopefully in the next couple of weeks even we can start talking about proper new movies um, as opposed yeah. to only be talking about um, Netflix, Amazon, and Apple TV. Absolutely. I'm going to say I have no idea because right now it doesn't even tell you on Google Maps if it's open or not. It's, it's completely just done away with it. That sounds very much like it's probably closed. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 100% or maybe even shut yeah. down. <laughs> as I discovered, as I discovered, my local Frankie and Benny's has permanently shut down Aww. with the sign ripped off the building and everything. Oh, because you wanted to be yeah. yourself, didn't you? Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, bank cinema you go to is that like a chain or is it just like an independent cinema? Uh, no, as a chain, it's just albeit a smaller chain, right? Uh, of like cinemas, They've, it's predominantly a, an English company, and there's What's just the company a, called? I think Empire. Empire, okay. Yeah, yeah. Empire Cinemas. Um, okay. Outside of that, I don't. Outside of the one in Clydebank, I don't actually know where the others are. No. I think there might be one in Edinburgh, I think. Aye. Not 100% sure. Um, aye. So right now, Scotland's still very sporadic with its openings. It's not 100% yes. clear what's happening for a lot of them. Um, so, but like I said, hopefully in the next couple of weeks we can start watching movies at home rather than... So what movies in the cinema rather than watching them at home. That, that would be the sort of hope and dream the next, yes. the next, few, next yeah. few weeks. That would but, be nice. <laughs> Uh, am I going to enjoy the experience? I don't know. I think it like a lot of things now. Yes, yes, that's exactly what I was about to say. It all depends how they set themselves up and what the guidelines are, which we're more than happy to follow. But is it going to make it a nice, comfortable experience for mm. two, almost three hours at a time? Who knows? Yeah. Um, 
we're talking, I was talking about today to Jill and I was saying, like, actually right now, the films that are out just now are, are sort of kind of indie, smaller movies. And I'm saying they might actually yes. be okay to go and see because I feel the crowd and audience for them will be quite limited. So you might not have that mm. many going to see them. But when they do eventually bring out a big release, say, for example, Tenant is a sort of the main, sort of the main release and it's on the horizon, stuff like Black Widow, Wonder Woman, stuff like that, when they come out, that's got a more mass appeal. You can get a mass of people going to the cinema at that point. That's when you can really see the issues. But the smaller films, yes. I think you could probably go to and feel quite comfortable in because I don't think they can have a massive run of people, you know, you know, going to see them. But yeah, I do worry about the sort of quote-unquote blockbuster movies that were, that used to come out. Um, the other ones are going to cause the real issues with people being socially distant within the cinema, you know, accepting that they can't sit somewhere because someone else is sitting, you know, and it's they're supposedly having you know these kind of like bubbles of you know you're not meant to have somebody next to you, you know, the idea of like you know will mm-hmm. they people would adhere to that. That's sort of a big a big thing, I think I would say. Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. Only time will tell. Only time will tell. Hopefully hopefully good. I'm hoping that there'll be something, you know, it'll be it'll be worth going to see again. And like I miss the cinema. It's a big part of my life. I go I go a lot. Um mm, absolutely. So missing it has actually been the one thing that's really sort of been lacking for my life over the past not the early part of lockdown because I understood it now then, but now as things start to ease slightly, it's the one thing I'm beginning to start missing, and especially looking at sort of social media today. And you see all because English ones are reopening and bringing films out today, you see everybody going to the cinema, and I, I now feel like I'm missing out on something, and that's when I'm going to, yes. oh, I want to see stuff. You know, so hopefully soon, yeah. hopefully soon. But for the time being, we will continue to plow our way through all manner of streaming services and television. We are. I don't we think must we, be getting close to completing it by now. We must I, be. I think when it must be, I think Netflix will be soon, you know, deleted from my system because I've just over, I've watched too much stuff on it. I feel, um, yeah. but not quite yet, not quite yet. So the first thing we're going to talk about is something you were, you didn't get a chance to watch, but I watched it um, over this week, and that is called The Plot Against America, which is created by the showrunners Ed Burns and David Simon. If you know the name, they're the guys who've done stuff like Treme and The Wire and Generation Kill. Oh, okay. So. Good storytellers, a good peregrine storytellers. Yeah, yeah. Um, this is based on a Philip Roth novel, and the basic story is it's set in nineteen um, early early nineteen forties when Europe is at war, but America has not yet joined the war. But Charles mm-hmm. Lindbergh challenges the U.S. president at the time at the election. But this almost happened. He was pushed to challenge challenge for the you know to, to go up against him in, the, in the, that election. He didn't. Someone else did, and basically because. Um, uh, wait, I say, is, is it Eisenhower? That's not Eisenhower. Roosevelt? Oh my god, my American history is terrible right now. Anyway, the guy who was in power, Truman. I think it was ah. Harry Truman. Um, because he doesn't win, because he won the election, that meant America, America went into the war, and obviously that's how we know history. America, is into the, America joins the war and continues on through that. Lindbergh is a notorious anti Semite, supported the Nazis, had, you know, very nasty views on, on the world and um, it takes a period if he wins the election he essentially becomes friends with the Nazis he doesn't go to war with them he stays out of the war but he basically appeases them he starts to implement some of the policies in America that are done in that are done in Nazi Germany such as you know pushing the, the Jewish community away and um, you know segregating them you know basically heightening the you know pushing the master race quote unquote you know so it's, it's taken idea, you know, and, and the idea of how quickly could America turn from, you know, a supposedly democratic state 
to a fascist state and, and how quickly can that happen and how quickly will those Americans embrace that. Um, really interesting, Kathy, we're on a rider. Um, and uh, Zoe Kazan as well, as you know, she turned up in it. Um, Morgan Spector turns up in it, David Krumholtz, uh, Ben Cole, and John, John Turturro as well turned up in it. So it's a really good cast, a really sort of proper A-list, solid acting cast, um, mm-hmm. who are all excellent. Um, all the roles feel that they, they know, they're all very lived in, they feel real. They don't, you know, with alternate history, I love alternate history, I love the idea of like, what would happen if this happened rather than this. You've always got to make yeah. the world believable. You can't make too big a leap, you know. You can't make it well because this guy get a, you know, because this happened, this happened. You go, well, that wouldn't happen in any world. But every stage of this show feels believable. You know, the, the steps, every act, every character, and every moment in it feels like, yeah, that is how I think that's a possibility of how the world would go and how people would react to it. And um, there's no sort of major moment ever went at one point going, that seems unrealistic, I can't imagine that happening. And that goes not only for the plot overall, but for the character development as well. Every character, their arc, their, their, their character arc feels very believable and very lived in. It doesn't feel, it almost feels like you're watching, you know, a real historical drama as opposed to an alternate historical drama. Um, it's only six episodes, which mean you've always, you know, said we want to see less episodes of TV. Make them make six quality episodes rather than... yes. You know, ten average. This has got six great episodes, but nice. it's, but for the first time, I actually felt myself wanting more. Oh wow! Okay, yeah. good. You know, like maybe if they'd made more, I would be saying, "Oh, I wish you only made it six. But when it finishes, I'm going. I wish I'd seen more of this world because it ends in a cliffhanger, and I don't know if we're going to do a second season. It feels very much mm. like that's the world that 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 is just telling the story of a novel, and that's what it's going to be. And they're not going to move on anywhere from, you know, from that. Um. So it's a real shame. I've been... I think. Oh, sorry, sorry, but, uh, I was just going to say. I think that's what. I think that's what us as uh, British. we This is what we are used to: is shows having six episodes a season, and we're always wanting more. Yes. And we're always more than satisfied after a couple of seasons. Still wanting more, but if it never comes back, uh-huh. we're always absolutely satisfied to the brim, rather than. By the time a show fucks off after like twenty four episodes, you're like, I am exhausted with that show. I need yeah. something else. Yeah, you know, you know. Example I've got right now my, on my Sky Plus, I've got the Blacklist. I love the Blacklist show. It's really enjoyable. It's really fun. It's really, it's just a fun show to watch. I've now got mm-hmm. two seasons of that backed up on my system. Like I'm not going to get them. It's like something like, right now. It's something like like forty episodes I've got to watch, and that's only two seasons. Like, oh, that's like, now it feels like that's too much to watch. You know, yeah. like I almost feel you want to delete it and go, you know what, it's, it's, I've, I've moved on. Because it's just like too much to know. Yeah, yeah. On. Whereas this, six episodes, plug is medical, I watched it in like two or three days, just battle through them, because it's really compelling television. But also it feels manageable. It feels you can watch it and enjoy it and you can get a full story out of it. And because I knew it was supposed to be a one-season thing, you feel like you get the full mm. story. You're not going to be left going, oh, that's it now finished. Now I've got to wait a year to find out the next part of the story. This feels like if that's yeah. it finished. If, that, if this is it finished, I'm happy and content with it finishing. If they decide to bring it back and show me more of this world and try and move the story on, again, I'd be totally there to watch it again. It feels like something I would definitely want to enjoy, but I have no problem if they just ended it. Is there any chat of a second season, not or that, is it not that I've seen? Looked online, it's not. I don't think the I don't think the novel, from what I remember, I've not read the novel, but what I read, sorry. Um, has got like a continuation it sort of it ends roughly where the show ends 
So a bit like the one that was on Amazon, The Man in the High Castle, you know, if yes. anything to do after the first season will essentially be sort of another writer's sort of ideas of what that writer would do, as opposed to being yes. the actual, you know, original text story. So that yes. might be some that might be something that maybe that's where I shine away from it. Um, mm. But I'd be definitely interested to see it. I mean, this the final episode. You'll really enjoy it. The final episode is one of the most tense episodes you've ever seen in your life. Because it's such a world oh, of like wow. just everything's the first five are just building and building but you you can see it you can see the, the steps that's happening but you know where it's going to end because you you know what you've seen history you know you know where, you know where things are going to end up mm. but no one in the moment sees where it's going to end up but yep. you should same yep. way right now anyone who's smart looks at america right now and goes we know where america right now ends up in 10 years time because of what's happening right now but the people who are mm. in america are sort of the power right now they're not seeing that. They're just sort of they're playing it as if it's happening. You know, they're, they're playing the moment rather than the future, and that's what the show is. the first five episodes are doing that. You know, they're just they're putting these pieces in place where you know how bad this is going to build. You know, you know, no good can come from it. You know, this is going to end in a bad way, but no one at the time can see that. People are telling them this. Some people, some people are saying this is bad. This is bad. You shouldn't do this. But the majority are not seeing it, and it's causing more and more problems. When it all comes to head in the final episode, it's just it's such a tension release, but also for the most of it, it's still just building this sort of horrible conversation as certain aspects and certain threads come to an end, and you realise oh, that's, that, you knew it was going to happen because it's the only way it can happen, but it's still hot, like absolutely horrible to see it all happening. And you know, and again, because it feels so real and so lived in, it feels real, and it feels like oh my god, that almost feels like proper history. Mm. Okay, cool. Yeah, I sh- I, like I said, that it was more just running out of time, to be honest. Yeah. I don't know where my weeks go sometimes, but yeah. this is definitely um, right at the top of my watch list for the near future, at least. Yeah, 100%. I give it a very solid 8 out of 10. I think you'll really nice. like it. Really, and like I said, six episodes, only an hour long each, you know, just so you can yeah, yeah. do two or three a night and you're done, within, you're done over the weekend. You know, so it's a really well done show. You really like it. Yeah, yeah. Nice, yeah. nice. Um, and it's on, I think it's on HBO, so it'll be on like Sky Atlantic, I think, or something, isn't it? I think it's on. Yeah, yeah. It's on Aye. So you've got Sky Atlantic, you'll be able to find it. And you can download them all at one time as well, which is good. You know, so it's, it's, all, ready, it's all ready to go. Um, up next is a Netflix series called Fear City, New York versus the Mafia. Um, so it's a three episode mini series directed by Sam Hopkinson, who has done lots of work at the BBC, but he's not, this is his sort of first major sort of work that's not someone else's. He's sort of like the, the guy who shared it from start to finish. Um, the plot of this, it's been a documentary, but it's a, the plot essentially, it's uh, New York in the 1970s, which was a cesspool of crime and degradation, uh, where the Mafia had their fingers and toes in pretty much every profitable pie they could possibly find. And it's about the police mm. force and the federal agencies and the mayor and the governmental agencies in New York attempting to bring the mafia sort of stranglehold in the city down to try and restore some sort of order um, to the city. Um, and it's told over these three episodes. Um, Jake, one thing I didn't mean, obviously, we, we've both been to New York, and New York just now seems like a sort of like happy go lucky, fun city where everything can happen. But when you look at it in the 70s, mm. it was a fucking hellhole. Like it really wasn't an know. absolute cesspool. It was just, it was horrendous looking. I know. 
and every time like I see things like this or like other kind of documentaries set with it or movies set within this kind of era of New York, I do always take a step back and be like, wow, New York was a complete shithole. Absolute fucking shithole. It must have been so grim to grow up or work there, you know? Uh-huh. You know, because like, I, because I'm a big fan of like movies from the seventies. Always set New York like had detective thrillers and you know, Ben Snatch and all that kind of stuff. New York, that's New, that's New York. It's a horrible, horrendous place to live. And probably there are still bits mm. of New York that are still bad and awful. But there's a general, you know, by all accounts, back in the seventies and eighties, Times Square was like a no-go area. You couldn't go there. Yeah. You know, yeah. now it's sort of like and the mecca it... for all tourism. Mm. Yeah, it's like the total cliched place to go for America. Oh. Yeah. Yeah, um, and also the 70s um, sort of coincided with a big massive era of building in New York, like skyscrapers and everything started going up. This even the New York became sort of like the New York skyline you recognise and you know from you know, from television. Now this is sort of like this is when it really took shape. Um, so start this. What did yeah. you think of this little mini series? I, th- I thought this was really, I thought this was really good, yeah. really good production value. The people who were talking. Like in between the footage segments, who were kind of propelling the story forward, I found them really engaging mm. and like just really interesting people. You know, even like some of the older gangsters when they were just sitting there talking about the way their life used to be, you were just a bit like, oh, "This is actually quite interesting." Yeah, and how and it's it's amazing to think how much of a stranglehold the like all these different gangster or uh, well, mafias had on the city. Yeah. It's absolutely wild, you know? Yeah. Um, I'm, I think it's really interesting to say with, this, um, with people talking, like, stylistically, I thought it was really interesting, you know, how they use, like, sort of archival footage for bits of it. Then mm. they use reenactments, and then they use reenactments, yeah, yeah. but with the real people in it. You know, so, yeah. like, almost like the sort of re, the sort of redoing what they did at the time, which I thought was added a little, you know, because obviously the guys are now reenacting it. They're now, like, what, in their 60s, a lot of them, whereas when they were doing it, they were in their 20s. Or 30s, you know, so they've mm. obviously aged, but it sort of made me a little bit of remember that film we watched, The, the Five Bloods, when they done that thing, yes. when they went to Vietnam and they used the old actors to play the young versions. It felt a little bit yeah, like yeah. that. I think that's quite cool because I still know who that person is. Um, and I liked how they sort of explained aspects of police work, you know, how mm. you know how they put bugs on people. That was that guy who was like either the coolest motherfucker on the planet, you know, it was like, oh. It just like it just seemed like he'd ice in his veins, or he's a robot because he was way too calm for what he was doing. You know, it's like, <laughs> <laughs> like, oh, like everyone. Cause you obviously know he's going to live because he's still talking about. It, but he's going like, I feel so much fear for what you're doing right now because like everything. <laughs> and the day he's talking about putting like the bug in the video record, the video machine, or the cable box. And he's, yeah, getting, like, the, yeah. he's, getting, the, he's getting the henchmen to help him. You're like, fucking, <laughs> like if you put it in a movie, I mean, it, would seem, it would seem too unbelievable. But when you, it's, it did happen. Yeah, absolutely. And even it's like if the henchmen get any sort of whiff of what's uh-huh. going on, it would instantly be rumbled and then couldn't escape the situation. Uh-huh. You're like, holy shit. And a bit of talk you about the break, the break into the restaurant and, the, and like, this is the police break into the restaurant and the dog's there and they're trying to get like, the, the, it sounds almost comical <laughs> that the dog starts like biting the leg and stuff like that and then some guys running with a fire extinguisher and things like that trying to distract the dog they try to inject it like sort of a, like a sedative to knock it out but he doesn't want to do it because it's an old yeah, dog yeah. and then some guys get like a, a CO2 extinguisher to try and like knock the dog out it's, like, it just sounds like something like a Cobra movie it just sounds so comical and so silly if you, and again, if you saw it in a movie, it would feel so unrealistic. But again, it did actually happen. 
Um, mm. I like what they did with yeah. like, they're trying to show you how when you plant a bug on someone or on a, in a, an area, mm. it's not like you sit there and you listen to it and you go, all right, we've got them now, because like, you can barely understand what people are saying a lot of the time. You've got to really concentrate on how it, and what they're saying. How they're, and, and people don't talk, like they don't just give out exposition while they're talking. They're the sort of, they'll say things that everybody else has a common knowledge of, so they don't have to explain it properly to each other. So then the guy who's listening mm. has to try and figure out what they mean when they say, like, you know, I think they use what the term is, they use the club, they keep saying the club. And the guy doesn't know what the club yeah. means, trying to figure out what the fuck the club is. You know, to try and, because they yes. can't do anything until they know what this means by the club. Um, so I, I thought yeah. it was really interesting. You know, it's something you don't really think about. We always imagine them just sort of sitting around like you do in movies, and the guy just starts reeling off, you know, exposition, and they catch him because of that. But people don't talk about that in real life. So I thought, that was no. really, I thought that was really well done as well. Yeah, yeah. No, this was really good. I liked it. And the fact there was only three episodes was just the absolute sweet spot for this, you yeah. know. I think any more episodes and it would start kind of watering itself down a bit. Yeah, it was well paced. Like, they're only about an hour long each, the three. And the first one's all about sort of establishing what was happening. The second one's like how bad it got. And the third one's about sort of like how they brought them down. So it's it's a nice, it's a three-act three structure, which is what you want in a movie. It, it, mm. it, it rolls pretty easily, there's, and you know there's not a lot of there's not a lot of like um, sort of like sort of fat left on it. It's all very much you know everything there is there for a reason. Then another thing I really mm. like about it, and it's something that really annoys me sometimes, is they did not portray the mafia as any sort of working class heroes. They portrayed them no. as what they were, which is fucking thugs who done really horrible things in order to just make money. They're not, it's not that these guys are making money and giving it away. They're making money purely for their own ends and their own benefits. And too many movies, TV shows, documentaries, almost paint the mafia as some sort of hero type figures. Yeah, some sort of kind of like Robin Hood for the community or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. it's like, these guys are not. They're, they're, they're absolutely the worst people. Um, yeah. So I, I really yeah. enjoy the fact that the police, or the federation involved in this, are portrayed as doing the right thing. You know, and doing mm. it the right way as well. They're not using, you know, violence. They're not using, you know, ways that we've seen the in the police force recently. You know, obviously, been at the forefront of the news where you know they're using awful tactics in order to try and bring out some sort of justice. These guys do it right. They go and they get the warrants from the judges. They do this. They do that. They do everything they're supposed to do within the means of the law yeah. in order to pull this off. And I, I thought that was really impressive how they, how they showed all that as well. And again, didn't make the, the mafia out to be anything other than what the mafia are, which is really shitty, awful people. Yeah, absolutely. 100%. I agree. Okay. Um, out of 10? I'm going to give it a solid 7.5 because I did actually really enjoy it. I do like uh, gangster movies anyway, but I thought this was a, a good, nice portrayal of what they're really like. Yeah. You know? Yeah, um, I'm exactly the same man, 7.5 out of 10. I really enjoyed it as well. I thought it was really good, really good. Um, it was really engaged. It engaged with me a lot more than I thought it would. Um, mm. And I enjoyed it more than, say, I did the Epstein documentary we recently. It was a, a three-part as well. This one definitely felt it was more engaging overall. Yeah, yeah, yeah. absolutely. Uh, up next, the only film we watched this week, which is a film called Puzzle, which is available on yep. Netflix. It's Netflix as well, isn't it? Yeah. Um, yes, it's not a Netflix yeah, movie, it's been out for a couple of years now, but it's just it's available on Netflix. Directed by Mark Cuthbert, who directed a film called God's Behaving Badly. If you get a chance to see that, it's about God's living mm. in New York, fucking around with people. It's, it's all right. Um, but he's better known, as, he's better known as, a, as a producer. He produced things like Little Miss Sunshine, Safety Not Guaranteed, Louder Than Bombed, Loving. So once you know those kind of films that he does, 
this film makes a lot more sense. I think you you can see a lot of themes of, of, of what he does as a, as a producer. So the plot of this film, it's a sort of dowdy, stay-at-home housewife living in, I think it's New Jersey, isn't it? Or is, it is it Pennsylvania? I'm not really sure. It's one of the two. Yeah, it's, yeah, it's like in like an outer outskirts of like New York City. Yeah, so you, can get to New York, you can get to New York yeah. by train. So it's, 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 you know, it's like Pennsylvania or New Jersey, Connecticut, maybe somewhere like that. Yeah. You know, or even somewhere else in New York State. But it's, it's not in New York City itself. Yeah. But she's basically, she's a mum, she's a, a wife, she just makes dinner for everyone and she yeah. does the whole mum thing. Stay a home mum. Stay a home mum. But she seems like a woman who's but, sort of a wee bit put down on in life, but she finds sort of a, a release through puzzles. She, she enjoys yeah. solving mysteries and solving puzzles. She's into the city one day and she meets a guy who's looking for a puzzle partner, a guy who just do puzzles but so they can do it competitively. And from that, she starts to question her relationship with her current husband to her relationship mm. with this new friend and that her life is sort of, um, how her life transpires with these sort of new additional elements in her life as she starts to sort of come out of her shell a little bit. Um, and the film, you look, Scotland's, Scotland's, you know, de facto queen, I think we can, we can decree, uh, Kelly <laughs> MacDonald. Um, you get yep. Afan Khan, plays the, sort of the, the, the puzzle buddy. David Denman from The Office, who plays, uh, he plays the husband. He also played Pam's, like, um, yeah. Um, That's the, I mean, Beyonce. this guy's just, this guy's just getting beaten up left, right, and say, Pam, now Agnes. Yeah. I mean, this guy's oh. just getting no luck. Yeah. Um, and Bubba Weiler <laughs> and Austin Evans play her two sons who are kind of at times dickish and times quite nice to her, but it's just going to yeah. have to judge them too much. Um, yeah. What do you think of this one? Uh, yeah, this was actually quite a car. Yeah, it was a nice car watch. We watched it last night when we were having dinner. Um, yep. Yeah, it's a nice car tale. It's it's still kind of, it pure kind of blows my mind a little bit how I know there's still people out there who aren't like really connected to the internet and the wider world. They're just right, kind of okay. like in their own wee kind of like universe. So it's like when things do happen, it is like a monumental change for them, whereas like things happen and we're just like, all right, okay. Yeah. <laughs> so for her to then suddenly start like questioning her whole entire life all the time, I kind of was just a bit like, oh God, oh no. <laughs> I knew where this road was going before she even travelled down it, you know. Yeah. I mean, you get the sense that she believes, she has an idea that everything has a purpose and a reason. She's very Catholic in it, so she, she believes that everything yes. happens with, with a purpose and a reason to it. She doesn't really believe in chance or, um, you know, you know, anything happens just because it happens. It's all, in her mind, it's all connected in some way. Um, and I'm, I'm with you, so you, you saw she needed to bust out of where she was, and, and the only question I have at the film is, what happens in the film doesn't seem enough to bust her out of what she was in, if no. that makes sense. Yeah. So the life yeah, she was in. 100%. She didn't seem particularly unhappy with it. She seemed a bit. No. Sort of. She's questioning things, yeah, but she doesn't, and she doesn't seem like she got a bad life. And mm. I, what the other man offers in a the, in the world doesn't seem that she understands what he offers. She understands it's something different. But I mm. never really saw a moment where I thought, like, the change that she undergoes for this film, in the film, that it made sense for that character to do that, if that makes sense. You know, yeah. It doesn't really seem like it, there's, there's enough of a connection between her and her puzzle buddy 
that she would sacrifice her current relationship. Yeah, yeah. You know? yeah, yeah. It does start off small with her, like just not telling her husband where she is. You know, she tells him she's away mm. to like help an auntie who's not well, and she's doing it. She knows she's doing something because I'm and her mind she's doing something she shouldn't be doing. Um, mm. Which I suppose is her first small act of rebellion, but it never really seems like it, it doesn't really seem to get big enough that she would she would go as far as she goes in it. What I will say though is Kelly McDonald yeah. is excellent in it, and Kelly McDonald is fantastic as an actress, and she is yes. by far the, the best thing in this. If I'm uh, Can who passed away recently, he's also excellent, um, but it's mm-hmm. definitely the Kelly McDonald is sort of the anchor within this film that sort of holds it together and yeah. sort of glue of it. Without her, it would just it would be a nothing film. It would just fall away. I think it's her performance that makes it yeah more watchable and um, for myself. Yeah, 100% agree with you on that one. Like, even the even the dad and the two boys, they don't really have a big role within the movie. No. It's like, a lot of, the, a lot of their screen time is very kind of cut back, is very kind of just in for a minute, then away again. Yeah. You know? It is very much her story. I think that's a, that is the point. Mm. Um, and ultimately, in the end of the film, I think it ends when I thought it would end. Um, don't want to swap mm. anyone, but it didn't. Yes. In a, in a traditional romantic comedy, it would end in a different way. Yes. You know, it would end. Saying how it would end would sort of would ruin it if I say how I think it should, how it would have normally it would ruin how this one ends. So that that felt believable to me that you know because if it, if it ended with this you know, traditional romantic comedy or romantic ending, that would have felt even more unbelievable. But the fact yeah, that he yeah, does yeah, some yeah. of the stuff in the film just as, it seems very out of content for the character, and I don't understand why this character had had that in her. There's nothing to explain mm. as to why she was like that. You know, if you give me a bit more background, like did it seems like she did marry this guy young? Mm. Is it something to do with like she had she had some sort of moment she married this guy because she got pregnant at an early age and she married him there, and that's what she kind of kept in this life. But everything she does, before, yeah, yeah, her whole life up to that point seemed like it was her own choice to be in. So to be Wanting to bust out in that way seems very seemed wrong. It seemed to be against, against the ethos of that character. Um, so yeah, so for me it was a good Kelly McDonald performance. Enjoyed her in it, but the actual film itself I thought was a bit just okay. Yeah, I absolutely feel the exact same way. And I even found the ending, albeit a slightly different ending to what we're used to with rom coms, but I felt the ending I was just left a bit like, eh, okay. It'd be nice to kind of tie it up a bit better. You know, you yeah. kind of just left it as it is. Uh-huh. Yeah, know? because you do feel that the marriage between her, you know, between her and her man, it's, it's suffered, and, uh, you know, and, you know, suffered in a, in a heavy way now. And, you know, would it survive even, you know, in the same, mm. you know, would it survive what's happened in this relationship? Mm. Um, and I would, it'd be nice to maybe have a bit more, like you said, a bit more tie, a bit more yeah. of what it actually was. Yeah, just to kind of, you know, just extend it a wee bit more, just to see the kind of, the actual fallout, you yeah. know. Yeah. You don't really get to see a great deal of that kind of side of it after after it's all said and done, you know. Yeah, that's what I thought as well. Like, I, it took a long time for like, sort of like the two worlds to collide in any sort of way. I thought that was going to happen on much yeah. earlier stage. It takes me the last like twenty minutes for both worlds collide, and then it's all, then it's a sort of rush to the end. Um, yeah, I feel, absolutely. I thought it was like the world would have played a wee bit earlier than that, and that would have maybe that would have pushed the story on a little bit, you know, at a greater um, depth. Um, yeah. So, like I said, all a bit pedestrian. 
um, and a kind of safe film as well. But definitely it's a, a case of the singer is out singing the song. The singer is definitely better than the, the song deserves. And in this case, the singer is killing the go home. Um, 100%. Yeah. What would you give it a 10? Uh, uh, I'm going to give it a 6. You know, purely just because I, I just found the ending was so kind of just... They could have done something a bit more with it. You know? Um, what about yourself? 100% agreement. I'm giving it six and a half, mainly for Kelly McDonald's performance. Um, yes. Because we love her. Um, <laughs> but yeah, so yeah, I, I'm, I'm, I'm six, six and a half out of ten. I'm, I'm going with that. Nice, um, nice. That's all for this week. Next week, we've got a couple of Amazon releases. One is called How to Build a Girl. It's on Amazon. Okay. It's all about a, a woman, a young girl going down to London to, st- to study and work in a music magazine in the early 90s. Um, and, okay. And it's, it's based on Caitlin Moran, uh, if you know her. Um, it's based yeah, on yeah. Her, her joining NME, but they're not allowed to use NME, so it's called like MNE or something. You know, so they, they, oh, fuck's sake. But if you can work out the code, <sighs> work, you know, maybe you can work out the code yeah. that she's working for. Um, yeah, 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 yeah. down to work there, and it's her, you know, becoming a journalist down in, um, in London. And you've also got out as well on Amazon, but it came out just as the just as the virus, the lockdown virus hit. So it was in the cinema at the start of the year, but it's now just come out mm-hmm. properly on um, like uh, streaming services, and that's a film called Radioactive. And it's all about okay. Marie, it's all about Marie Curie um, and her husband, and you know their their life is kind of biopic. So it's quite interesting. Um, yeah, yeah, Rose, yeah. Rosamund Pike playing Marie Curie, so. Um, I look forward to that one, and we will try and find one other thing to watch. I don't really know what it's going to be yet, but we'll, we'll have a look and find one more thing to, to add on to the list. Nice, sounds yeah. good. Yeah, tell me where to find us, Barry. All the usual social media haunts at Three Beers and a Movie, Instagram, Twitter, Facebook. That's great. So that's us this week. I've been Richard. You've been Barry. You've been listening to Three Beers and a Movie.